now tapped in with the introspective father and son duo. Last name may be strange, but never strangers to the game. Adjust the listening devices and keep it live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ay, coming in, yeah. Flex, I just wanna win, yeah. LABB, who we running with, yeah. Two, two, three, three, I'm on 10 again, yeah. State your name. Hello. And welcome to another installment of No Strangers to the Game. I'm Ja, and that's Troy. Um, and I wanted to ask you, um, for this upcoming week, obviously we'll have what, Thanksgiving on Thursday and probably getting some time off from work. What are you most looking forward to for this upcoming week? Well, most looking forward to just kind of relaxing as much as possible, being able to do a few things that I want to do, catch up on some reading and um, some research that I'm you know, trying to um, to do for a few things that I'm doing outside of work. Uh, for instance, a project in a neighborhood, um, looking to do some revitalization um, and prevent, you know, an area being gentrified and having people displaced that are in that neighborhood. So it's a, it's a long-term and it's a big project or big idea, but I'm looking to catch up on doing some research and trying to, um, further the strategy to prevent that and revitalize that um, community. Spending time with family, you know, um, you get up and your day just kind of goes by, you run in and, you know, it's just your week, you know, you wake up and it's Monday and next thing you know, it's Friday again because things are just moving so fast. So just some time to just kind of chill, not be rushed and, you know, running around trying to, you know, do so much. So for me, family, you know, and obviously eating, you know, um, and taking advantage of, you know, some, some good food and just relaxing. That's, that's pretty much what I'm looking to do. I'm looking forward to. Mm. Yeah. For me, uh, this upcoming week and this upcoming Thanksgiving is going to be the first time, you know, by, by the time listeners hear, hear this, it'll already have passed, but this will be my first Thanksgiving, not on my own. I'll have people here with me, but, uh, with not with family. So that should be interesting. I plan on I ain't going to do it up like, you know, granny or, you know, all of our family would. But I'm planning on cooking a little something. Hopefully, you know, having me a little something for Thanksgiving Day. And that'll be that. Watch some football. But I'm definitely excited to obviously have the week off. No school. Still got to practice. But no school. Just relaxing. Like I said, I think I got some assignments to catch up on and things to to try to get going. But uh, let's jump into it today. So today we're going to be discussing, I guess you could say, parenting. Um, whether it be crazy parents, you know, parents of successful children, um, so on and so forth. Um, and we're really honing in on, you know, those successful children and, and really breaking down what led to their success and how their parents played a role in it. Um, so the first question I want to ask you is what are the common characteristics of parents who raise successful kids? Well, I mean, I can speak for myself. I think I've, to this point, raised some successful kids yourself, your sister, and we're still in the process of raising uh, Malia. So um, we we two for three right now. So we're still working on the third. Um, I think one has got to be probably the most important is sacrifice. You know, those times when you want to come home, relax, you know, you got to either help with homework or you're driving to a practice or some event that takes, you know, a couple of hours of your day, probably two, three times a week and weekend. So sacrifice is, is huge. I think discipline, making sure that, you know, the, uh, the your kids and your children 
are disciplined and you as a parent being disciplined, you know, getting up, staying on top of homework, um, and not just whatever activities you're doing, whether it be sports or uh, dance or singing or whatever the case they may be doing, um, making sure that they're taking care of business, doing chores at home, and they're having a normal, um, responsible childhood, you know, making them responsible. Um, and I think just being excited about what, you know, the kids are doing and watching them to make sure that it's something that the child is, is having interest in and an aptitude to want to do. So the two big things I would say is um, sacrifice, the willingness to sacrifice um, and to be disciplined, um, you know, and I guess commitment would go in there as well to continue on um, down that path for, for several years to make sure that, you know, you accomplish the goal at hand. It's funny because I think in a lot of ways and not all the time are the parents of successful children successful, you know, in I guess the conventional sense. But I think one common thing you see is that parents of successful children tend to lead by example in some respect, whether it be, hey, my mom, she went to work every day. She worked hard. She, you know, worked hard to provide for me and my siblings, yada, yada, yada. You hear those stories a lot where successful athletes or, or people in general tend to talk about how their parents showed them what it meant to work hard or what it meant to be disciplined and you know strive for you know better things yada 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 so on and so forth um and so that's that's one thing that i i mean from my perspective i never raised kids but from six you know just from hearing what people talk about i think their parents oftentimes led by example but that's not always the case because i do think you have those kids who overcame you know, their parents, honestly, you know, <laughs> their parents' Function. failures. Yeah, their parents' lack of discipline, lack of, you know, all those other things. And maybe that's another, you know, I guess not a common characteristic, but, you know, another group that you can make is those kids who obviously, you know, looked at what their parents did or how they behaved and said, I want to be different. I want to be the opposite, actually. Right. Now, in your experience, you say you're talking about it from other people's experience. In your own life, I mean, you played football, you played sports, you had to do well in school and you had, I wouldn't say we were strict, but we were disciplined enough to make sure that you and your sisters uh, were able to accomplish the things that you needed to accomplish um, to put you on course to, you know, be independent. Yeah. So what would, what would, what are some of the things that you say that you would say that you saw experienced in, in your own um, growing up in, um, in this way? Well, I think the best the best thing I got growing up, especially from you guys, was a good balance. I mean, you were you made sure I was doing well in school, but you didn't, you know, beat me every day to make sure I came home with straight A's. You know, you made sure I was working hard in sports, but it wasn't like, you know, that was the only thing that mattered. Um, and, and, and all those things, you know, everything kind of had its place and its time. And it led me to I think be more well-rounded person and be more balanced and that's because I think that's what you guys were as well we as a family were involved in a lot of things you know in the community uh, whether it be through church or you know doing things in our neighborhood our you know events or programs you guys were a part of you know you and mom um, you know you guys obviously both had jobs that you guys were you know devoted to made sure you guys went in every day y'all didn't sleep on the couch through a day of work and so you showed me that discipline so I think that's one thing I saw with you guys was balance. And I think, you know, that's that's different than I think some of the, what we're talking about those successful kids because in a lot of, and I, I'm thinking about, I guess, specific examples when I say this, but I think sometimes you see with successful children is 
their parents put a lot of emphasis on one area. Um, and that's why I think sometimes you see successful children have troubles um, outside of whatever it is that they're you know really good at, uh, whether it be music, a sport, you know, whatever it is, um, because there's so much emphasis on that one area and they may not be as well-rounded. Um, but I think for me personally, I got a really good balance growing up. Yeah, and I would use the word highly successful. I mean, those that are famous, those that are in the public, yeah. um, you know, the public arena, you know, just recently witnessed, you know, LeVar Ball, you know, to have two sons drafted, you know, on the top three in the first round. I mean, yeah. that's never been done. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't know him personally, but he's done something right. You know, you look yeah. at his public, you know, how he how he's viewed in the public and some of the things he may say or do. But you don't have sons that become that successful by you being some crazy nut job, you know? Yeah. You know, and I, and I think a lot of it is probably his public persona. Um, yeah. and a lot of it, I think, is just part of his personality. But he had the right ingredients between him and his wife and whoever helped them with rearing their, their sons to be able to instill in work ethic, to be able to instill in them commitment, discipline, and the confidence to go out and take, you know, take a shot at what they wanted to do. And, 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 and it appears that him and his wife and their family got behind those boys and they sacrificed to make sure that they had every opportunity to be successful. So, um, so I think, you know, highly successful. And it seems to be, you know, it seems like basketball is it, but when I'm looking at him and I'm looking at the, his young men, they seem to be engaged in other things, you know, um, you know, dabbling in business. Um, I know Alonzo is looking to, you know, is dabbling in rapping, but yeah. Melo, I mean, looks to be, you know, trying to do his own thing as his own individual. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all, um, you know, falls out. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, that they can be, you know, as successful as possible, because I think that's a good example. Um, you know, when we look at sports and, and particularly the black dad and their involvement with um, their children, children and raising them, um, there's that, you know, stigma, you know, for so many years that the black dad has been absent. Yeah. But I, I see more and more where, there's a lot of black dad, dad, excuse me, that are prevalent and that are help raising their children and doing a good job. So yeah, it's funny because I, I, I watched their, you know, they have a Facebook show that comes out on every Sunday. Um, and I've, I've been watching it since season one. And I think one thing I've picked up on is that, like you said, him and his wife are two very different people. And they're kind of the yin and yang as it you know pertains to their personalities. And then and I think that that shows in raising their children. Um, LeVar, I mean, part of that is he plays it up for the media, you know, he does it up, but you know, he, that is part of his personality. He's lively. He's going to talk his, you know, his trash. He's going to, you know, be confident and he's going to speak things into existence. <laughs> um, and I think his wife is kind of, you know, the opposite where she's a little more quiet, reserved, you know what I mean? But I, they're both competitive, you know, they were both athletes. And so I think they, you know, kind of instill that both in their kids, but you know, neither of them are slouches. Neither of them, I think, were lazy or anything like that. I think LeVar is a dreamer. He dreams big and, you know, he talks a lot of stuff behind it. But I think he makes sure, and it honestly goes hand in hand, because you're talking all this, we got to get in the gym. We got to work just as hard to make sure we accomplish our goals because we can't go out there talking all this mess and not, and not live up to it. You know, so I think he instills that in his boys. And, you know, some of them have taken on the personality of him. Well, not... I don't think any of them have taken on the full personality of him, 
but I think you can see characteristics of him and all of his boys, as well as, you know, his wife, Tina. Um, but that's a good segue into my next question. And not necessarily specifically LeVar Ball, but when we talk about these highly successful kids and their parents being extremely involved in their success, do you think there's an element of those parents living vicariously through their children? I think we all live through our children, you know, regardless of how successful they are. Um, because for me, I see you guys as an extension of me. And so, you know, when you're having great, great success or when you're in a, in a situation where you're not being successful, you know, I still feel that because, you know, we care so much about you and and want you to succeed and to live out your life and, and reach your potential. So for me, I think, yeah, I think there may be some that maybe begin to look at almost taking on the life of that child um, to the point of where they're pushing them beyond where the kid may want to go. Um, so I think we all do. I think some may kind of push a little harder um, and, and have a little more of what they want to exceed for themselves. And I think there may be some selfishness in that. Um, but I think overall we do. We live vicariously through our children. It's just to what degree are we going to, um, you know, um, function, you know, uh, and how much are we going to be involved? And is it going to be our decision or is it going to be the decision of the child to do the things that they want to do? And so I think having a balance of pushing and, and living through them to a certain degree, but at the same time, they have the ultimate decision on, hey, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this, but giving them those options and those opportunities to make some of those decisions on their own. I wanted to talk to you about the balance between, like you talked about, I think every parent wants to see their kids do something great, be successful at something. But I think right. more than anything, you know, good parents want to see their children live happily, right? right. What, you know, whatever that may entail for that kid specifically. Where do you find the balance between, I think there's a societal pressure of, you know, I mean, obviously you gotta go get a job, you gotta make a living, you gotta do this, that, and the other, you know, how do you react? And I don't, I don't think you've had this specific, you know, scenario, but how do you react if your kids says, I don't wanna do any of that and I'll be just happy being a bum, you know? I mean, how do you, how do you, where do you find the line of allowing your kid to explore himself, be happy, with what makes them happy, but also making them understand that society is going to treat you a certain way and you're going to have to kind of function within society to be, you know, a, a functioning human being. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how to really answer that question. I mean, I want you guys to be happy doing whatever you do. Um, I don't believe any of us come here to say I want to be a bum. <laughs> um, we may just get frustrated with the circumstances and how we view society and decide we want to check out in that way. But um, for me, with you guys, I've always watched you at from an early age and see what you guys were drawn to and what you guys were interested in. And I try to, you know, push you in that direction and, and allow you to be engaged in whatever that was. Like for your sister, Tia, you know, she was always into art. She was into music, singing and those type of things. And she had, we noticed that she had a talent for that. And so we put her in programs and activities that would allow her to to do those things. With you, you were a little harder because you didn't show a lot of interest in a whole lot. <laughs> you know, it was just like, whatever, you know, Jai, you want to do this? 
yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> so I kind of had to watch you to see what your interest was. The first thing I found from you is that you had really a, kind of a business mind, even though, you know, you, you kind of grew to like sports. But I think business was one of the first things I saw that you seemed to have a real interest in. You perked up. I mean, I remember, I think it was sixth grade, you wanted an iPod or something. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you know how you did things. If you get <laughs> enough to stay out of trouble, but you weren't going to put a whole lot of energy in it. So you said, well, dad, I want an iPod. And I said, okay, here's the deal. You can get an iPod. I'll, I'll, I think I said, I'll pay half, right? Yeah. And so I said, but here's the deal. You got to get straight A's. And I knew that you can get straight A's because I'd never seen you do homework and you come in with B's and A's. And I'm just like, wait a minute, if he put some effort into this, he can really be much better. And so uh, the contract was throughout middle school, you had to um, you had to get straight A's and you had to keep them. It wasn't just get straight A's and then I'm going to go ahead and uh, once I get my iPod, I'm going to go back to doing business as usual. And so it was funny because you went and researched and you drew up a little contract that I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, uh, that was, that was, I thought that was pretty cool. And then when I saw you kind of, particularly with Tony, um, you know, for those who don't know, Tony Riggins, our cousin, who's a former, uh, general manager for the angels. Um, when he became the general manager and we would go to some of the games, you would go and be able to sit in his office and talk to him and meet some of the players in the locker room and just have that experience. I really saw that that was something that you had a real interest in and and, and, and you were, um, it excited you. That's the first time I saw you really get excited about something. And, you know, I knew that you would be somewhere in business. Um, I remember mm-hmm. you had various business ventures on your own that you had <laughs> yeah. from selling Takis at school to uh, Gatorade and, you know, whatever <laughs> else you was doing to, to get your hustler. I think selling phones. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay to 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 in terms of my business mind I think I always I understood at a very young age the value of money um and what it provided access allows you to it allowed you to do nothing if you wanted <laughs> and it allowed you to do whatever you wanted you know if that if that's what you please and so at a very young age I decided that that's what I wanted and I you know business was you know obviously revolving around money um and so I think I but I think I naturally as we've seen, I like to not necessarily argue, but negotiate. I like to, you know, make deals. I like to do all those things. So business is something that comes naturally to me. And with Tony, obviously I, I've had a passion for playing sports and even more so than playing sports, I think I had a passion for analyzing and watching sports um, at a very young age too. So when you combine those two passions, I think that's where you get, you know, the, the career fit I'm trying to get into is the business of sports. Um, what was I going to say? But I think the, I, I often think about, um, <laughs> it's something I, I re- randomly or weirdly think about at times is I was like, I think I could have been an amazing baseball pitcher, right? I think I have a great arm, you know, I'd have threw 95 to a hundred, you know, I'd have probably been able to pick up how to throw different pitches, sliders, breaking ball, anything like that. Um, I think I would have been a great pitcher. I played baseball one season and I'd never played again because I was really bored of it. I often think, what if you had forced me to stay in baseball, right? And now I, you know, by, you know, what, 22 years old, I may be a pitcher in the major leagues making a couple million, you know what I mean? Or something like that. I think 
I often wonder sometimes, do the ends justify the means when it comes to this style of parenting, if it pays off the way it does? For instance, you know, LeVar, let's say LaMelo was not interested in basketball at all, but, you know, he's going to be 6'7", and he has a natural talent, you know, for passing the basketball and scoring the basketball. Hey, man, we can go make <laughs> millions and millions and millions of dollars if you just, you know, grind this out and do this to the age of 25, so to speak. Is that is that the right way to go about things if – you know, that's the end result. <laughs> well, it also depends on not just, you know, the financial gains or success. It comes down to ultimately, is this going to lead to your happiness? Because ultimately, we want our, our children to be happy. We want to be happy. You know, you've had many athletes that go and they were successful and in their sport, but they were so unhappy with life. And, you know, they ended up after, you know, they finished playing, you know, doing some things that led to them getting in a lot of trouble, drugs, jail, and crimes that you hear, and, and even many of them went broke. So yeah. I knew, because you in, in some ways were a lot like me, if I didn't want to do it, I'm not doing it. I may <laughs> do enough to get by to keep you from bothering me, but I'm not going to put a whole lot of time and energy into it. And I realized that with you real young, I was like, oh, this dude right here, if he don't want to do it, man, he, he just, we just going to be at odds. And I just couldn't see myself fighting with you for the next 10, 15 years on doing something you had no desire to do. And so I just said, allow you to pick and choose the things you want to do and try to nurture that by allowing you the opportunities to engage in it and be involved where you wanted to and make those choices. Like for instance, you were playing football, you decided one year you didn't want to play. You know, I know a lot of dads would have said, you playing. I was like, well, if you don't want to play, we ain't got to play, you know, mm. because I got to spend time and energy going out there. And I know me, if I'm going out there and you just, you know, haphazardly doing stuff, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> I could be doing something else instead of sitting out here watching you do nothing. Mm. And so um, always wanted you guys to be involved and engaged in the decisions you make about your life, because ultimately it's your life. And there's times, obviously, when you had to do things, whether you wanted to or not, um, because it was in your best interest. But as far as your career and things you wanted to pursue, I wanted to make sure that that was something that you had a desire to um, to do and be involved in. So where do you draw that line? Because <clears throat> you you obviously, so, you know, we, we used to go back and forth on me doing certain things that I didn't necessarily want to do. But one thing you and mom instilled in me at a young age was if you start something you finish it right you, you know you don't quit you don't stop halfway through where do you draw that line of making sure your kid finishes it if they're doing something that you find that's not something they want or it's not something that is making them happy how do you find that line to where you hey you want to show them that when you start something you finish it you don't quit but if you can see that it's really you know starting to affect your child where do you draw that line well, I always look at a starting point. Like if you say, I want to play baseball, okay? You're going to start, there's a season. When the season over, if you want to play again, we can do it. If you don't, cool. You know, um, if there's whatever it was you're doing, you know, you're going to finish that season out or that term, whatever it may be, to where at least you can get a chance to see if I really like it. Because sometimes you'll start something and it may not start out the way you want. It may be more difficult. But as you begin to learn and become more engaged in it, you find an appreciation for it. So I at least want you to go through the process of seeing it through, and then you can determine based on your experience with it, that it is or isn't something I wanna do, but not because the first time I do it, it wasn't good or I didn't, it wasn't fun for me, then I quit. 
it was just like, you're going to see it through and you're going to learn. And then you can decide from that based on what you know of it, not one incident or one, you know, short experience. And then you throw it all away because you had one bad experience. Yeah. So getting back on the track of like parents who have raised successful kids, for instance, LeVar Ball and let's say Serena and Venus Williams father, Richard Williams. A lot of times they're outspoken, they're confident. Um, and in these two particular cases, they're black. What do you think are the, the main reasons people don't like these figures because they have not, you know, been liked by media or, you know, a lot of people in the public? Well, I think in our society, in most instances, people don't like people who they would consider arrogant or, you know, highly confident. Um, and then when it comes to, you know, being a black man, um, yeah. speaking out the way that they do, particularly Richard in the sport that his daughters played, it was very few blacks and, and very, very few in that instance where he was coming through the ranks with them. And for him to be as confident and say some of the things he said, um, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And um, I think it's just that our society wants you to fit in this box and in this mold and to be humble um, and to, you know, be thankful and grateful for your opportunity, which is good. But also with these guys, they created a market for their children and, them, and themselves because they were polarizing figures. And, um, you know, those are people, some people love them and some people love to hate them. Yeah. And so, um, but to answer your question, I think largely because of our society, we're typically taught to be humble. And then, you know, a black man and traditionally uh, with our society and the, and, and, the, and the issues we've had with discrimination, you know, throughout our history, you know, it was even looked up, it was looked upon even more um, negatively, negatively because of that. So I think those are two things that, um, you know, in my mind, is why they looked upon the way they have been. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think with, and I'm, I'm mainly taking from athletes, um, you're right. I think people that are considered arrogant a lot of times catch a lot of flack in the public eye. Uh, but I think sometimes hindsight is twenty twenty too. You know, when it ends up working out, people love you, right? I mean, I wasn't there in the moment, but I would imagine there were some mixed feelings about Joe Namath, you know, calling himself winning the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure people were like, ah, that's arrogant. Or, you know, people may have had mixed feelings about it, but he went and won the Super Bowl. So what could you say? Um, and so I think with some of these dads, you know, like LeVar calling it, both of my boys going to get drafted in the top five. Are they going to be, you know, top three picks in the, in the draft? And it's like, well, I mean, at the moment, it's like, man, be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. But here we are. He's got two kids that were drafted top three um, in, in two separate drafts. And so I think sometimes hindsight can change people's opinions on it. Well, what did you tell about your experience meeting Patrick Mahomes' dad when you were working uh, at the uh, the baseball um, um, organization, MLB program, and he came. And he was uh, talking about how great his son was going to be. And you guys were looking at him like, uh, who is this dude? <laughs> yeah. I, and like, once again, that's hindsight 2020. It was the year before Patrick Mahomes was going to start. I mean, that standout year where he won MVP. 
Um, so he had never started a game in the NFL. And uh, we were at an MLB camp. His dad was an MLB pitcher, so he was at the camp. And his, we were talking to him about his son. We, we knew who Patrick Mahomes was, but we weren't thinking he was about to do what he was about to do. And so we said, you know, how do you, you know, he had been named the starter for the upcoming season. We said, how do you feel about your son, you know, starting the season? He said, he's going to be the best quarterback in football. And I think we looked at him and we were like, half of half of it was, you know, what what can you expect from a parent, right? You know, I, we understand you're going to say that. But the other half was like, you're, you know, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. You know, he first year starter. Um, and I don't know if he knew it per se, but whether or not he did, he, he was right about it. His son was the best quarterback in football and I believe has been since then. Um, but I think, I think it's an interesting thing to, like we talk about, I mean, we're talking about speaking into existence, but it's interesting when you're speaking it into existence for other people. I want to ask you about that because like you said, your kids are sometimes an extension of yourself. So for LeVar or Richard Williams or, you know, Patrick Mahomes Sr. to go out on a limb and say these things about not themselves, but their children. What is that? What is that like? <laughs> do you put more pressure on your kids or do you just have the confidence that they you know, are going to do what they're supposed to do? I think you have the confidence. You know your kid. You know and you've seen the competition. You go around and you've been around it long enough. If you have a kid that's playing at that level, you know, you've seen who the guys were or the people that they were going to be competing against. You see their strengths, their weaknesses, and you see and you know your own child, what their strengths, their weaknesses are, and their potential. Um, and I think we can, for the most part, predict kind of where you're going to land on, on some level that you're going to be competitive because I know your size, whether it be, you know, the things that you do. For you, for instance, um, track and field, we can look at, and compare you to other great jumpers, you know, what are their speeds, you know, in terms of their ability to run a hundred, you know, what are the times? Where were they jumping in college at certain levels in high school? What was their progression like? And to begin to compare and say, you know what, based on what I've seen with them, you have the ability to do these things. And if you feel confident and the, 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 the conditioning and training and the preparation that they're getting, and you know that I have the best person training them, then yeah, I'll go on a limb and say, yeah, I, based on what I've seen and based on history, I'm gonna predict and I'm gonna go out a limb and say, hey, my son's gonna be an Olympian. And so um, I don't know if it puts any more pressure on the, the kid, um, but I think as a parent, you wanna instill that confidence that you know we're gonna go out and do this. You may not say it, but I can say it. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about people who analyze draft picks from the age of 15 or, you know, analyze recruits and rank them and stuff like that. I mean, at the same time, I mean, parents have that same ability to view the field, like you said, but they get an even closer look into their child's psyche and stuff like that. Um, and in some cases, though, I think it may be able to cloud the judgment a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously you want your kid to be successful, but... Nonetheless, I think if you can look at it objectively, you can you can make a good prediction because you have a front row seat to your child's development. So um, to wrap it up today, I wanted to ask you, I kind of want to make this two part. Um, give me some of the keys. We've talked about some of the common characteristics. Give me some of the keys that you've seen throughout history to raising the highly successful children. Um, you know, those those kids that we talk about are you know famous or wealthy or, you know, probably the best in their field, so to speak. And then give me a few keys to raising, I mean, just kids that are gonna be functioning members of society, be able to make a living and be happy, so to speak. What, what would you say are the keys to those two different, you know, 
upbringings? Well, I think the difference between the two is really consistency. Um, we all as parents, regardless of what our children do, for the most part, most parents are going to instill discipline. You got chores, you got things that you have to do on a consistent basis, right? You want to make sure you're going to school, you get grades. If you're competing in a sport or whatever activity, you got to practice. You got to go do those things. Um, for, for me as a parent is, like I said, the sacrifice. I have to make sure that, hey, I could be sitting at home on the couch with my feet up, but I'm standing out there at a practice or at a game um, watching you or coaching or whatever the case may be so that you could get that. And then persistence, you know, um, persistence and making sure that, you know, we do it. We're going to do it even when we don't feel like doing it. And that the repetition of that, I think the difference is between those that are highly successful and those that kind of, you know, just fall into society is the persistence and the consistency um, in which the parents um, uh, um, in, enforce that those actions or those activities that their children would do on a repetitive basis. And then it becomes natural for that kid to be able to go out and do those things, even when their parents are not standing there telling them to do it, it becomes a habit for them. So I think those are the things uh, in my mind that separates those highly successful, I mean, other than just genetically more talented and grown, born with genes and the aptitude to do those things, but mm. the, the, the consistency in which the parents enforce those um, activities. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to note that success is oftentimes divine, defined by our society as, like I said, being famous or wealthy or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but I think it's important to define your own success and, and know what's going to make you happy. Um, and what you'll consider a success for you is what you should strive for, not necessarily what society says success is. So um, I think that's important to note. But <clears throat> unless you have any last words, I think that'll wrap it up for this episode. Nah, good show. I uh, appreciate the conversation and I look forward to next week and, you know, this week uh, enjoying the time with family and relaxing as much as I can and being somewhat productive in that way. <laughs> well, by the time you guys listen to this, it'll be past Thanksgiving. So we hope you had a safe and happy Thanksgiving and we appreciate you tuning in and make sure you tune in next week. Peace. All right. That'll wrap up today's episode. Glad we could take a moment to put you up on game. We post a new podcast every Sunday morning. Now you know. Peace.